The Rugby World Cup quarterfinals this weekend included one of the most exciting international test matches you will ever see. And there was a shocking upset in the NPC semifinals in New Zealand. Let's get to it. Hey everybody and welcome to Season 3, Episode 10 of The Rugby Report, your weekly recap and preview podcast of all things rugby. My name is Dwayne Burkhardt, and in this episode, the 2023 Rugby World Cup quarterfinals are in the books, and one of the games was simply heart-stopping from start to finish. And down in New Zealand, a shocker in the nation's capital. Finally, we'll check in on the opening weekend in the Premiership in the UK, and we will preview Week 1 in the URC. But first, it was quarterfinal weekend in France. And before we talk about the games, as someone who lives in the Northern Hemisphere, but is obviously also a big fan of Southern Hemi rugby, I need to note that there's been quite a lot of, well, chatter over the last year about how the Southern Hemisphere teams have lost a step, and how the Northern Hemisphere teams were poised to dominate at this year's World Cup. So, I have a question for all the trash talkers out there. How's that working out for you? Tell you what, let's find out. The weekend action began when a really good and resurgent Welsh team took on the Argentinian Pumas. And early on, while it was generally still a close game, it has to be said that it looked like it was going to be a good night for the Welshmen. It was the Dan Bigger show early on, as the veteran star racked up all 10 points scored by Wales in the first half, while Argentina managed only two Buffelli penalty kicks, and it was 10-6 Wales at the half. Two more Buffelli kicks in the opening minutes of the second half gave Argentina its first lead, 12-10, but Wales came right back and retook the lead, 17-12. And that's the way it stayed until the 68th minute, when Argentina finally broke through an incredibly robust Wales defense and took the lead back, 19-17. A clearly exhausted but equally determined Wales team then began to drive the field and looked to be just one phase away from breaking away and taking the match when Nicolas Sanchez stepped in at the perfect moment, picked off a pass, and went 50 meters the other way for a try. And that was the backbreaker. Argentina added a penalty kick, and they advanced to the semifinals. Full-time score, Wales 17, Argentina 29. Next up was, well, it was a game for the ages, folks. Arguably the two best rugby teams in the world right now, Ireland and New Zealand, faced each other in what I'm going to call the most exciting quarterfinal game ever played. Seriously, if your heart wasn't pounding out of your chest at the end of this one, then you're not alive. It was an epic battle between two titanic teams. And from the opening whistle, these guys were just beating the snot out of one another. It was incredibly hard-hitting, just powerfully pounding into each other on every play. New Zealand began the game with a 30-phase drive, but could not cross the line. Ireland's defense held, but then gave up a couple of frustrating penalties, gifting New Zealand a 6-0 lead before Leicester Fanganuku finished off an all-blacks drive, and suddenly it was 13-0 to the Kiwis. But the Irish woke up, as New Zealand-born and raised Bundy Aki punished every one of his former countrymen who got in his way, and pounded Ireland back into the game. And before you knew it, 
It was 13-10. The teams each added a try before the half, and it was 18-17 New Zealand at the break. But if you thought that was exciting, well, get your oxygen tanks ready, because you haven't seen anything yet. New Zealand started the scoring in the second half in the 54th minute when Will Jordan simply outsprinted his defender on the outside and scored a try, extending the New Zealand lead out to eight points. But minutes later, a critical error on defense leads to a penalty try for Ireland, and suddenly it is once again just a one-point game and a yellow card for Cody Taylor. For the second time in the game, the All Blacks were down to 14 men. But this time, the All Blacks managed the next 10 minutes of the game like masters, slowing the game down, burning the clock, taking two opportunities for penalty kicks, the second of which went through for Jordy Barrett, making it a four-point game, and then the finish. Remember that this game began with a 30-phase drive by the All Blacks, which Ireland repelled? Well... The end of this game was a 35-phase drive by Ireland, well into extra time, and it was once again heart-pounding, blood-pumping, hard-fought, toe-to-toe, brutally physical, bone-crushing collisions between the very best rugby players on the planet. But with nothing else than the World Cup on the line, the mighty All Blacks would not yield. And finally, Sam Whitelock, in his 151st test match, takes the ball away and seals the victory for New Zealand and the All Blacks in a game for the ages, take down the number one ranked team in the world and advance to the semifinals. The full-time score was Ireland 24, New Zealand 28, and yes, I need oxygen. And then... Earlier today, a struggling but proud and storied English side took on Fiji in a game where, if you turned it off at halftime, well, you missed it. The flying Fijians were frustrated in the first half, and frankly, they looked intimidated. England, on the other hand, looked calm, cool, confident, collected, and breezed out to a 15-3 lead, and then 21-10 at the half. But about 15 minutes into the second half, the flying Fijians found their mojo, and a 24-10 deficit became 24-24, with barely more than 10 minutes to play. That's the Fijian team we've seen all year. But England would not go quietly. Owen Farrell's drop goal minutes later gave England a 27-24 advantage but it was an errant pass by Fiji moments after that that returned the momentum to England, and Owen Farrell's foot made it a six-point game, forcing Fiji to score a converted try in less than two minutes. Two bad scrums then left Fiji with just one final possession in extra time to either send them home or on to the semifinals. Five phases. Ten phases. 15 phases, and then a deliberate knock-on by England gives Fiji yet one more chance. But more than five minutes into extra time, England finally wins a penalty on defense, and England, a team that many people, including me, frankly, had written off in this year's World Cup, escapes, and I do mean escapes with the win, and advances to the semifinals. The full-time score is England 30, Fiji. 24.
And finally, the rematch. As I have noted twice on this podcast this season, last year, France and South Africa played each other in what was, without argument, the international test match of the year. And this year? Well, the script writes itself, doesn't it? The host nation taking on the defending world champions. You really don't need a lot more buildup than that, do you? No, you don't. And we didn't. This game was as advertised from the opening whistle. Yet another back-and-forth match between two of the world's best teams right now. France opened by scoring a try. Then South Africa scored two. Then France scored their second. Then each of them scored a third. Back and forth they went, and France took a narrow 22-19 lead into the break. In the second half, France spent a lot of time in South Africa's territory, but could not turn that possession and position into points. And then South Africa made two key changes, bringing in veterans Faf de Klerk and Andre Pollard. And as has happened so many times before, they changed the pace and momentum of the game. South Africa battled back into the game and eventually took a four-point lead 29-25. But France would not go quietly. And with 10 minutes to play, they cut the lead back to one point, 29-28. And then, with barely five to play, an unforced error by Ramos, who kicked the ball out on the full, gave South Africa possession deep in France's territory. France needed to stop South Africa, get the ball, and then get a penalty to win. With three minutes to play, they finally get the ball back, but it takes three scrums to get it into play, and the clock is ticking. But they break away and get to midfield in seconds, but then they lose the ball. 60 seconds. De Klerk gives France the ball back with less than a minute. France drives. 30 seconds. France continues. Extra time. France breaks through, but loses the ball again. And South Africa, with a brilliant finish from de Klerk and Pollard in particular, take down and out the host nation and advance to the Rugby World Cup semifinals. Full-time score, France 28, South Africa 29. It was, overall, I think, the most exciting set of quarterfinal matches in RWC history. The RWC semifinals this weekend will feature New Zealand and Argentina, and then England takes on South Africa. And unless I'm mistaken, that means that in two weeks, we're going to see a grand final for the ages between New Zealand and South Africa. So don't go away, folks, because the World Cup is on the line. Now, normally, that would be plenty of excitement for one weekend. But down in New Zealand, it was semifinals weekend in the NPC. And if you haven't heard, it did not go the way a lot of people thought it would. The weekend began in Taranaki, where the last time the Bulls hosted a semifinal was 2017. Incidentally, 2017 is also the last time Canterbury won the championship. But this is 2023. And Canterbury came into this game without its star fly half. Still, as previously noted on this podcast, Canterbury is a good deal more than just Fergus Burke and a bunch of other guys. And they showed it. An early penalty gave Canterbury a 3-0 lead, but minutes later, Canterbury returned the favor with a penalty of their own, and it was 3-all. 
The kicking war continued when Alex Harford, in relief of injured Fergus Burke, nailed a kick from more than 50 meters to give the lead back to Canterbury. But finally, right at the 14-minute mark, Taranaki breaks through the Canterbury defense and Adam Lennox explodes across the line for the game's first try, and it was 8-6 Taranaki. The Bulls were driving again before the half, but got stopped and had to settle for three, but then yet another ball-handling error in the damp, dewy night led to a Canterbury kick, and after all of that, it was 11-9 Taranaki at the half. But in the second half, as they have done so many times this season, and in the quarterfinals last weekend, the Bulls begin to move the ball and cash in on every opportunity. They eventually led 17-9, but Canterbury didn't get to the semifinal by rolling over and playing dead when things get a little dark, and they didn't. They powered their way back into the game on the strength of a po-hippie try, and with only eight minutes to play, it was still just a one-point game. But mistakes continue to plague Canterbury, and Taranaki continued to capitalize, taking every three on offer and taking a seven-point lead with less than three to play. But back comes Canterbury yet again. And in extra time, they are driving to tie the score and send the game into sudden death. But the Bulls' defense holds, and they end up advancing to the grand final. Full-time score, Taranaki 23, Canterbury 16. Canterbury's season is now over. But given what they've been through, and what they've had to do to get this far this year, I can't imagine anyone in their part of New Zealand being anything but very impressed with what they accomplished this year. They remain one of the league's elite teams, and I have no doubt that they will be back in force in 2024. Well done, boys. See you next year. And then, the wild, wait, what? Event of the weekend as the number one Wellington Lions, a team that one more time, has only lost one game since August of last year and spent the entire season on top of the table, hosted the number four Magpies, a team that arguably lucked its way into the semifinals, but is also the only team to have beaten the Lions in more than a year, which they did, remember, just a couple of weeks ago. But in the playoffs? In a semifinal? On the road? against a Lions team that came into the game already motivated for payback? That can't happen, right? Well, folks, one more time, that is why they play the game. The game was scoreless for the first 12 minutes, but a Wellington drive finally resulted in points, and the Lions took the 3-0 lead. Minutes later, the Magpies leveled it up at 3, but more importantly, there was a yellow card against Wellington, and the Magpies make them pay with a Chase Tia Tia try, and suddenly it's Hawks Bay leading 8-3. The Magpies added a kick, and as Wellington was driving to respond, a knock-on by Umaga Jensen falls right into the hands of Chase Tia Tia, who is off to the races by himself for his second try of the half. And suddenly, it is Hawks Bay leading 18-3 at the half. But in the second half, the Lions begin to roar. Billy Proctor caps off a big opening drive for the Lions, and it was 18-10. But the Magpies 
will not be denied. And they drive again on the strength of some spectacular play by Falal Fakatava, who now appears to be fully recovered from his devastating injury a few years ago and ready to resume his once very promising career in Super Rugby. And you can bet that the Highlanders are very happy to see that. Fakatava eventually gets the ball to... Who else? Chase Tiatia, who completes the hat trick and gives the Magpies a 25-10 lead. And suddenly, things look dark for the number one ranked Wellington Lions. But that doesn't mean it wasn't exciting. The Lions, down 15, with just one minute and six seconds to play, score not once, but twice to close the gap to just one point before the final hooter. But in the end, the mighty Magpies come into Wellington twice in three weeks and beat the statistically best team in the league. And for the first time ever, the Hawks Bay Magpies, a team that has known some real heartbreak in the postseason in the last few years, is going to the big dance. They will travel to New Plymouth next weekend for the grand final, where they will face the Taranaki Bulls. Full-time score, Wellington 24, Hawks Bay 25. Shockingly, and not just for me, but for a lot of people, Wellington's season is now over. And my guess is that there will be some real soul-searching by this team during the offseason to answer this question. What the heck happened to this team in the last three weeks? For the previous season and a half, they were literally unbeatable. And not just unbeatable, but often properly crushing their opposition. Well, their dream of a repeat is over, and talk of a dynasty will surely die down for a while. But when the smoke clears, Wellington is still a very deep and very talented team. And I feel very certain that they will be back. Congratulations on an amazing season, boys. We'll see you next year. And then, there were two. Next week's NPC Grand Final is suddenly going to be played in New Plymouth. And you can bet that the phones began ringing off the hook at hotels in the area within minutes of the Lions' loss on Saturday night. And my guess is that it's going to be an epic matchup between the Taranaki Incredibles and the now mighty, mighty magpies of Hawks Bay. The Bulls have had a nearly Cinderella season as they've upgraded from their wildly unpredictable performance in 2022 to their unstoppable run in 2023. But the Magpies have definitely had a Cinderella postseason as they have blown through two of the top teams in the league on their way to their first grand final. Who wins this game? Well, in the last two weeks, I've picked against the Magpies and gotten burned for doing so. Will I go for three? Yes, I will. To be clear, the Magpies have shown me a lot in the past couple of weeks, and they are clearly having a great postseason. But all sports are about matchups. And the fact is that the Magpies matched up evenly with the Steamers, and frankly favorably against the Lions. But the Bulls are a much bigger, tougher, and more physical team than either the Steamers or the Lions. And I think that their defense will make Hawks Bay pay for every meter. 
The Magpies have a budding superstar in Falal Thakatava and a retiring legend in Brad Weber as their scrum halves. And with either of them, anything is possible. But the Bulls are big and they are deep. And I think they will wind up with the trophy at home next week. Bulls win. Now, before we go, I need to note that this was also the opening weekend in the Gallagher Premiership season. And in those games, Bristol led off the season by beating Leicester 25-14. Exeter then crushed the apparently already struggling Saracens 65-10. Ouch. Gloucester barely beat the Harlequins 29-28. Bath took down Newcastle 34-26. And finally, earlier today, the Sale Sharks beat Northampton 20-15. Finally, a reminder that URC action begins next weekend And I'll go ahead and make some predictions there for my URC fan listeners. I predict that Ulster will start their season by taking down Zebra, Connacht will beat the Ospreys, Edinburgh will beat the Dragons, although I don't really know that, but if I don't pick Edinburgh, I'm afraid that my youngest daughter may not speak to me for a week. The Stormers will travel to Joburg and beat the Lions in their den. Cardiff will open with a home win over Benetton. Munster will beat the Sharks at home, but watch out because that could be a really good game. And finally, on Sunday, the Bulls will beat the Scarlets, and the Glasgow Warriors will find themselves in a war with Leinster, but sadly for them, not a war that they will win. And that's it, folks. That's all the more time we have for Season 3, Episode 10 of The Rugby Report. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and tell all of your rugby friends about our show. Until next time, whatever you're doing, always remember to give 100%. Unless you're donating blood. See you next time. This episode of The Rugby Report is the 2023 copyrighted property of Narratives, LLC. It is intended for the free, private, and non-commercial use of its listeners only, and may not be rebroadcast or retransmitted either in whole or part without written permission. Please email info at narrativesllc.com for more information.